All right, starting things off, random conversation. Your favorite <laughs> machine gun ever, and it cannot be the Modus because that is the king of machine guns. But my favorite machine gun, like what kind of machine gun? Talking belt fed or you know, right, a technical machine gun? Something I can hold, hold my hand. I am. Uh, I'm going to leave that up to you. Okay. All right. I, I have what, what I envision is, you know, when I think of other than a Modus. Okay. Now, here's a question. Is it something I've actually had to fire or anything in out there? I, I mean, if, if you want to say that your your favorite is the, the minigun from Doom that you played when you were, <laughs> you know, 19 years old. Okay. Uh-huh. I didn't think you were that kind of nerd, but. Okay. Okay. I did like that machine gun. Oh, the chain gun. The chain, the chain, chain gun. gun. Yeah, yeah, chain gun. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm not that kind of nerd. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'll, I'll start. And why are you asking this question? Because it was asked of you? No, no. Oh, okay. it, it's the, I looked up and I saw, oh, saw, the, saw the 240 up there, and that made me think, uh, you know, I, I do love the PKM. I think the PKM is a good machine gun. But there's just something about the feel of the Mag 58. Yeah. There's just something to that that, you know, the um, MG42, that feels good. But that Mag 58 just feels really comfortable carrying it around, shooting it. I, it brings a smile to my face. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I looked up, I saw the 240, which is, we know, the, uh, the slowed down kind of like a handicapped brother yeah, of yeah. the Mag 58. Uh, Mag 58 with, with the training wheels on it. Yes, there we go. <laughs> And uh, I thought, yeah, you know, that made me smile, thinking the Mag 58. So I, what's your favorite? Man, what makes you smile? That's a great question. Um, my first thought was going to an H&K uh, 21 that I shot. Uh, Man, that thing throws brass l- so far. L- long before I was, was in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty cool. But honestly, I think it was, uh, oh, I'm going to get the nomenclature wrong. Mark 48 is the Mark 48. Yeah, yeah the Mark 48, the, the uh, titanium, titanium saw that shoots the 762 by 51. That thing. Um, now, this was what, 2010, mm-hmm. right? So, of, of course, we didn't have them. You know, SF deployed to Iraq doing combat ops and, and doing all kinds of hits. We didn't have them, but ISOF had them. You know, so they had the nice machinery. So, uh, we. I, I borrowed some of those. We, we had them in Afghanistan in 2012. Really? Yes. Oh, cool. So I, I had one that I, I borrowed from from the ISOF, and when I test fired that thing, oh man, I did a full, and I've got it on video too, full two hundred round dump, because uh, I was quote unquote testing it. Mm-hmm. Right, that was my that's yeah. how I rationalized. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, not the good you know what five to, to seven round burst. Yes. No, a, a two hundred round uh, solid burst standing. So I stood up and, and had the, the belt draped over my, my arm. Didn't do anything like Rambo, which is one-handed, you know, in the armpit. But because actually, you were being a professional. That's right. You, you were doing it for a reason. That's right. So I actually shouldered it, and uh, I think that, was, that wasn't that was our 300-meter range. That was our 200-meter range there at our at our uh, safe house, at our, at our team house. At a Gabe? Yeah, mm-hmm. at Fob Gabe, yeah. yeah. And we had some still silhouette targets down at the end. And I... Uh, Pulled that trigger on that thing, and of course had a good stance, good aggressive stance. But that thing is so it was engineered so well, it it didn't move, it didn't raise, and I'm just holding it on still, destroying it, just moving it to the next piece mm-hmm. of still, the next piece of still, getting solid hits 200 meters out with that thing. And you know, yeah, I, I know what I'm doing, and uh, 
again, had a good stance, good, you know, mounted that gun and then held it fairly well. But the engineering was just so smooth with that thing shooting. I was really impressed. Did you ever play with uh, one of the later versions of the 60, like the um, M60 no. Echo 4? No, no, I never really did. Um, we, again, we borrowed yeah. from the Navy EOD. They had okay. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they actually signed it over to us. How come? Well, oh, good on, for them. On a hand receipt. Mm-hmm. And they thought that was good enough. They thought a 2062 was good enough <laughs> that that was. So they're getting ready to rip out, and suddenly, like, they come over. Uh, do you guys still have that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I guess that 2062 doesn't work. We're like, yeah, I didn't think it was going to work either. And I'm sure your Charlie's like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, we'll take it. That's you know good. who my Charlie was at the time? Oh, good man. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Good yeah. man. So, um,. Uh, that was also, it was very well balanced. Yeah. You you could do reflexive firing. Now, I wasn't doing a 200-round dump. I'm sure that would have, it's a little long. It started, it yeah, started yeah. climbing. But um, you could do a good, you know, five to six-round burst. Well, shoot, how old, um, how old is that? That system. When did we adopt M60? Oh, the 60. That's that's. Uh, I know it was Vietnam, but was it prior to that? Yes, it, it was. Um, it wasn't in Korea, so it must have been. Okay, I want to say. Uh, I, I know again, being a Mag Fifty Eight guy, uh, the Mag Fifty Eight was turned down because the M sixty was better. Oh yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. And kind of like how the M fourteen was better than the FNFL. Yes, right. Politics yes. had nothing uh-huh. to do with that. And then in the nineties, when people were like, you know, maybe we should have something that's a little easier to change the barrel on. Yeah. Hey, there's this thing called the two forty Bravo. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the slowed down version of the uh, Mag 58 that only loads from one side instead of both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, on that note. Well, uh, well, before I before we go on, I, oh. I was just thinking, too, about that. We've, you know, the M60, that's what, 40 years? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's longer no. than that. But of use, development, modifications. So... You know, just like the, the AR had some initial problems, and that all kind of got worked out to be as reliable as it is today. I'm sure they did the same thing to smooth that thing out with a, you know, with that, with that soft mission in mind, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they they fixed one of the major flaws with the weapon system was changing the barrel. Mm-hmm. You did not you you had to grab the barrel. You had to have a glove. Uh, not a quick change barrel. They did put a quick change barrel yeah. on it, and. I'll be honest that it was well balanced and you could do standing burst fire with that and keep it on target very easily. Cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah. There you go. And with that, as you were about to say, uh, we'd like to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Ross. And I'm Chris Johnson. And it's a pleasure for us to to spend a couple minutes and talk with you. Uh, We've had a We've had quite a fun couple of weeks. We've done a couple of different things, and um, we wanted to talk about one. I guess that's what we'll get started off with. Yesterday, we had what I called a community event. Um, How do you think it went? I think it went very well. Yeah. Uh, you know, neither you or I really knew what was going to happen. And I, being the planners that we are, uh-huh. that's a little sketchy. Yes. Yes, you know, it is. We like to have control. Masters of Chaos, but that's because we control things. That's right. So I knew I needed to set up the meeting. I really didn't advertise it. I just kind of left it up to 
the Providence to whoever saw it on the calendar and whoever wanted to participate to contact us to participate. And, and really what it ended up being was I talked for, how long did I talk? Was it about an hour and a half, two hours? Yeah, I was close to that. Okay. And I just laid out some of my thoughts and feelings of where we started as a nation, how our nation was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, how our nation was founded acknowledging God, and uh, how prayer was a very important aspect of it with George Washington. And what was the, oh, I used the, the example of... of um, the cannons. Yeah, with yes. Henry Knox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how he built sleds with dry ground and nothing there to move the cannons from Fort Ticonderoga to get them over to um, to Boston. And then after he built the sleds, then he prayed for snow, and it snowed. So Christmas morning, he was able to, to move the cannons um, a couple hundred miles down to, to where they needed to be. And then the miracle continued with um, with very bright moonlight. But then with fog down below, so there is all kinds of light for the people to, um, for George Washington's troops to build the defensive positions, lay in the cannons, and do all that that uh, heavy work at night. But because there was a fog, all the British down in Boston couldn't see the work going on. And then when the fog lifted, and there's cannons there, they realized how hopeless their situation was, and, and they left. So that was one of the examples I used. And then I also talked about some of the... Uh, some of the things that are happening now, we talked about the UN uh, Agenda 2030, we talked about Build Back Better, and how it, it wasn't just a uh, campaign slogan, how it came from uh, Klaus Schwab um, with his Great Reset ideas, and, and it's an actual literal translation from, from one of the talks that he gave. That's why Build Back Better isn't good English, but that's why so many... Uh, world leaders are, are using that as a as a rallying cry. So we talked about some of those things, and then we really talked about uh, what can we do as individuals and how can we rally together as a community and then you know, to, to mutually help each other and support each other when, when times are getting rough. And then we ended the whole thing after I, I talked for a good two hours with, uh, with a planning session. And that's where it was really hard for me because I know exactly, well, 75% solution. <laughs> uh, I knew what I wanted to do for another event, but I just sat down and let everyone who was there um, talk it out and have them voice their opinions. So after another probably got a good hour and a half, yeah. almost two hours of planning and talking and brainstorming, uh, we're going to be setting up a, a much larger event where we're going to invite anyone and everyone, and we're going to talk about how to build a, a community and... Uh, and we don't mean community necessarily as like a, a subdivision or some, you know, some fortified little fiefdom or something. We mean that in, in the general terms. You know, we already have a various communities that we belong to, whether it's your business or church or circle of friends, clubs that you might belong to, hobbies or whatever. But we're just talking about how can we uh, strengthen those communities. And, and, and organize. Yes. You know, we Right now, there are so many people, you guys out there listening. You get the information every day, and it it can seem overwhelming, and you seem outnumbered. I know that there are a lot of you guys that don't necessarily live where we live, and you're faced with, uh, can I say that? Or is, uh, and you're you're having to watch yourself. I make the joke all the time. You're living in occupied territory. Well, when we know that there is a community, when we know that there is a support group around us, when we're organized, we know that we're not alone. 
And I think that was a, a big thing coming out of there is realizing I'm not alone. Yeah. There are a lot of people here and there. There's organizations. There are groups. There are things that we can help and support that will also help and support us. And I'm really looking forward to having, you know, it's I, like everything. Let's do it tomorrow. You know, oh, I'd love to. But but yeah. you, you can't. The, the calendar, uh, it's already full. We, we've got a lot going on. And just like everything, we don't want to do this, you know, throw it up against the wall and hope it turns out. We want to make it that it is a worthwhile experience. So when everyone was looking at potential dates and it seems so far forward, I'm really happy about that as well because it gives us that time to make this a good thing. Yeah. So we're looking sometime March, April time frame to, to do this most likely on a Saturday uh, the way we're going to lay it out, we'll have one general speaker um, to start with, and then we're going to have breakout sessions um, for on different topics and different subject matter experts to uh, to talk about everything to do with the community, everything from we're thinking uh, personal finances to uh, food storage to, yeah. to really uh, one, one of the, the themes that was coming out was how to be an asset. Yeah. And... <laughs> That's what we're always trying to do. We're, that The light fighter is an asset. Jared and Chris are always telling you guys to be an asset. This is going to give us a platform that we can host other people to come in. Let's be honest. Uh, you do a pretty good job with your finances. I do a pretty good job with my finances. Neither one of us is a banker. Absolutely. And you don't want to take financial advice from me. Um, so this gives us an opportunity to bring someone like that in. It gives us a chance to bring people and host them so that they may not normally have this platform to speak on. Uh, one of the, the suggestions that I made was when you bring in someone that talks about how to run for public office. I mean, yes, I have the Internet. I could Google it. I could figure this out. But I'm not really motivated to do that because it's not something I'm really interested in. Uh, but it's something I should know. Mm -hmm. We bring someone in, a speaker that can talk talk to that, talk about how you you go through the whole process. And okay, me personally, probably not interested. Uh, probably sh should. I think I'd make a, a great mayor maybe one day. Uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Uh, great G chief. Yeah, G chief. Yeah, I was gonna say shadow governor. Hmm, maybe. <laughs> uh, but. Someone in that room is going to be like, you know what? I can do that. I can run for my school board. Mm -hmm. You know, I do have that educational background and I am or, upset with what's going on. Or you know, they might not have that self-confidence yet, but they can say there's a need. I know I need to. Someone needs to. And then after coming away from this, they can say, well, someone needs to. Why not me? And I know how now. Yeah. And so it's it's building that capacity. Yeah. So that we are assets. Yes. So that we'll look forward to that. Uh, and you'll definitely be hearing more information about that as the planning goes on and as we start to finalize the date and the location and, and things of that nature. So it's, it's been, a, been a fun time. Um, it's been a very, I don't know, yesterday was very uh, powerful, yet it, it was humbling, I would say, to, to be there and to be in that mm -hmm. meeting. Yes. Really, really cool. So some of the things that we discussed there yesterday um, – is about planning, networking, organizing. Um, and, and Chris, next week you have your Intel 2 class. Yes. So 
I'd like you to, you know, go ahead and talk a little bit about how, so how, what we talked about last night in our planning, as well as your class, how they relate in, in some of those uh, principles. Okay. Uh, I love the Intel 2 class. It's, it's something that I do. My, I pass it on to my children. My children have been doing that style of information collecting and then analyzing and turning into intelligence. Primary focus of the class is to give you a framework to build out uh, your research. And that research is whatever you're interested in. Um, so in the class, we use the IPB format, the uh, Intelligence Preparation of the Battlefield, to conduct an area study. Uh, I take you guys through some area studies that I have built, uh, some products that I've built for some clients, some products I've built for myself, as well as show you some different area studies that other people have made. The idea is to give you the framework so that you can take your collection efforts. You know, attending Intel One, we talk about the Intel cycle. So how you formulate your questions, how you seek and collect your information, and then how you process and turn that into information. When you've processed it and turned it into information, you need to have a briefing product. And that product could be something that you're going to use to show to your boss, show to uh, your coworkers, uh, explain why a certain decision has been made, could be used to show to your spouse why you're moving to Pennsylvania and not to Arizona. Um, <laughs> uh, totally usable, right? You know who we're talking to. You know who you are. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're going to take you through this process with the idea that you then take the next week and you build your own. It's a two-day class where you will come back the following Saturday. So Saturday, December 11th. And so the first class is uh, the 4th of December. Yeah. The, the second is... Um, December 11th, and then you present your product, and we go through it, and we talk about it. We, we help each other develop a better product, and it's a living document. This is something that people don't, in the Intel community, always get wrong. They will make a phenomenal area of study. They will do the IPB, the Intelligence Preparation of the Battlefield, and then they'll shelve it. Yep. Uh, the Marines make a phenomenal smart book on countries. They're, they're great. Uh, they're, a lot of them are open source, not all of them, but a lot of them are open. And when I say open source, meaning you can get them on the internet. If you're going on vacation outside of the country, look for that country's uh, smart book. The problem is a lot of them, unless we're in a, a heated conflict with that country, they're not updated. Um, so I encourage in the class to continue to grow your, your area study. Use the format, the, the different techniques that we teach in the class, and continue to build that product out. You will be able to use this all throughout uh, different experiences, and it helps in that decision-making process. And we've talked about here before the, the military decision-making process, coming up with COAs and uh, courses of action. This is what is justifying those courses of action. This is what you'll be able to turn to, whether it's your boss, whether it's your commander, whether it's, you know, your spouse and say, this is why we should do this course of action. 
So when those decisions have to be made, you're making it with facts, not feelings. Can you tell us or can you explain to us a little bit about intelligence? Okay. What does that mean? Often people can... You, you had to take a shot of your monster. I did. Before, yeah, I, I had to fortify. Okay. <laughs> Can't find any rippets, but you got your monster. And it's, uh, you know, one of my big frustrations that I have in the intelligence community are people that are lazy, that just report the news. So I've been sitting in many briefings where the S2, the intelligence uh, officer or yeah. uh, NCO, will get up and just read the headlines. And I just, I want to scream. I want to be like, are you telling me that all these men sitting around this table are, are idiots that we can't read? I can read the news. You need to tell me what it means. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm having flashbacks. You, you are, right? Because I've had good foxes and then I've had just exactly that. Mm -hmm. And I had this one dude. He was worthless, completely worthless. And uh, it was on one of my last trips. And that's all I did was read the news. Mm -hmm. So then I would ask the question, okay, so if that. Is what that headline says. So, so does that mean this, this, and this? Because I'm like thinking ahead. So, what are the implications of that? And he looked at me, you know, blankly, like, "Huh? Well, the headline says, and like, how can you have gone to that school and be trained and be not, not because it's what plants crave? That's right. That's exactly electrolytes. Yes, uh -huh. electrolytes. It's what plants crave. Gosh. Uh, anyways, yeah. So, so intelligence is when we take that information and we process it and we turn it into a usable product. I can take that headline, but just like you said, I need to say, what does that mean? Super simple. We're going to, we're going to take this to, I have a brand new Lieutenant who is just starting to learn what intelligence is. This is the way I always explain it. So if you feel insulted, I'm just doing it Barney level because I know you're smart that's listening out there, but there's the, the other guy. That's, that's why you're listening to this podcast. Cause you're just that smart. Yes. And there's that other guy who uh, stumbled on us. Okay. Take the weather. We all look at the weather app. We're going to go to the range. We pull up the weather channel, weather underground, uh, Google weather, whatever service you use. And you say, what is the weather tomorrow? Now, the information that comes back from that is it's raining. Okay. If you stopped there, that's information. You got the information. You, you have the headline. It's raining. Now, intelligence is where you take that information and you look at previous experiences and you say, okay, when it rains and I shoot guns, I need to oil them more. So I need to make sure that I have a good coat of oil on my guns before I leave to go to the range. I need to make sure that I have extra oil with me at the range. I should probably bring a dry cloth that when I put the guns back in the case, I can dry the guns down. Mm -hmm. Now, because you are looking at previous experiences and you're processing that information and making decisions off of that, that's going to improve the outcome later that your firearms aren't rusted and that your firearms are still working, you have now intelligence. Maybe I should bring wet weather gear. I don't. Wet weather gear makes noise, and I don't want to give myself away. <laughs> some of you get that joke, and some of you, well, 
watch me wear wet weather gear and, uh-huh. uh, and I'll tell that story. Um, but that's a very simple way of, of thinking about it. You're getting that information and then you're processing it. You're going to take it and put it in a lens. And that lens could be your previous personal experience. It could be something that you read. It could be something that you've seen. It could be something that someone has told you at some point that you gave weight to that person. You know, hey, based off their experiences, they said this. Okay. Uh, right now, we, we have things that are going on in our country. And, you know, we're, we're experiencing things that we've never experienced before. We can turn to other countries that have lived through these type things. We can look and see what happened there and read the tea leaves. Yes. All right. So before you continue, then, going back to your last analogy, talking about, you know, whatever uh, app you use or however you looked it up, it says it's going to rain tomorrow. So that's what it says. But some of us have experienced, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow, and it didn't rain. So there's nothing wrong with taking that information. It's going to rain tomorrow, doing everything that you just did. And then, oh, it didn't rain. Oh, well, it didn't rain, but we still did the right thing. So along those same lines, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next year. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now. But there are certain things, if you've been following us and listening to us on the podcast, or if you've been following us on Facebook, because I've actually posted more stuff on Facebook, haven't commented, just shared stories. Stories like China telling Japan, you better mind your business, or we're going to quote, concerning Taiwan, or we're going to quote, nuke you and 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 nuke you until you once again have an unconditional surrender. Uh, We might have posted articles about China having a mock uh, aircraft carrier in the desert that they have been practicing on. We might have shared uh, articles about China's new hypersonic missile uh, articles and maybe some information. 60 Minutes Australia is a good one uh, about what China has officially said to Australia about you better mind your own business when it concerns Taiwan. Um, We've maybe have talked about uh, EMPs. Again, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but as you're gathering that raw uh, information, those headlines, um, it's up to you, as Chris is about ready to elaborate on, to uh, turn that into intelligence. And process it. Utilize it. Look at it. Make decisions off of it. Yeah. China's kind of the, uh, the, the easy target. Okay. You know? yes, yes, it is. Um, not, they're, they're the easy target because they're so blatant and yes, open about it. Yes. They don't care anymore. It, it, exactly. They don't you feel don't, any heat or it, threat. It's, uh, I know that us in the United States during the Cold War, we would build uh, these areas that we wanted to, um, to attack. Uh, Song Tay. Here, this one pops to my mind. Okay. They built the whole complex, the whole prison complex, um, but they would disassemble it every day because they were so concerned about spy satellites flying mm-hmm. over, or spy planes, uh, sorry, uh, flying over and then the Russians knowing and then communicating to the North Vietnamese that this was happening. The Chinese, they know our satellites are flying over and they have built the presidential, or it, it's 
I don't know if it's the presidential palace or the uh, um, uh, prime minister's palace or whatever, uh, mock-up of the Taiwan's lead government building. They have built that building in the Mongolian desert. And they're not a, they're not dissembling it yeah. every day. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, we're doing this, you know, and we don't care that, you know, uh, so they're they're an easy target uh, there because they're putting out a lot of information. Now, it's your responsibility. And that's it. That's a key thing. It's your responsibility to then take that information and turn it into what your intelligence is. Make those those decisions. Hey, this is this is what the tea leaves are saying. What am I going to do with this? Mm-hmm. Common question that I get at the Intel classes and at other classes. Where do we get our information from? And my first thing is, well, I read. Uh, right now, I, I don't sleep very well, so uh, I spend a lot of time scrolling the Internet and going different places. You have your big uh, news sites, so Al Jazeera, BBC, uh, Sky, Fox, CNN, uh, MSNBC. Some of them, I, it, it, it's hard to say news, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'll, I'll pick on Al Jazeera. Okay. Fair uh, enough. Why do I read Al Jazeera? Because Al Jazeera has a known perspective. If I'm reading Al Jazeera, I know that they're going to be a little bit uh, favorable to uh, Middle East countries. If Al Jazeera is reporting on... Um, something that's going on here in the United States. Are they, uh, are they left? Are they right? Or are they presenting in a way that makes the Middle East look good? I know which angle that they're coming at the story from. And because I know which way they're looking at it, then I can compare it to something I read from Sky News or the BBC or Fox One of the big problems that we have with news is the singular reporting. So you'll have one person that that makes a story and then a bunch of different news agencies will buy that story and they will all put their own spin on it. So it will seem like it's multiple source, but in actuality, it's the same, same same piece of information. You really have to be careful with that. It's important. Well, it's important at least for me, because I was taught, you know, militaries to, at a minimum, dual source things. Yes. And it's kind of, it's, sometimes it's hard to do unless you really know those sources, um, because like you said, an outlet will put out, there'll be one source, whether it's right or wrong, whatever, they'll put out that information. And then, like you said, multiple other places will pick it up. Half of them will be so lazy, they'll just word for word report it. Or what I'll see is like the BBC and Al Jazeera, I'll pick it on those because, you know, always, always pick on the foreigners first, right? (laughs) Um, Make fun of your, your brothers and sisters, even though they're special later. Uh, You'll have Al Jazeera report a story and then you'll have BBC, the Middle East. They'll report the story, but they won't bother, not even just changing words. They won't bother to say or change the source. It will be the same person. Uh-huh. 
And so you, you do have to look at that. And it's our responsibility to do that homework. I can tell you something right now. And if you believe that, just because, well, well, Chris is a nice guy. Well, that makes me feel good. All right. But what does that say about you? You're just, you're not doing that individual responsibility and looking things up for yourself. You mentioned uh, the EMP podcast that we talked about. Yeah. We talked a lot about, you know, the, the myths, the, the Hollywood, yeah, lights are all turned off. And we've talked about, okay, this is how I would tactically use this. Uh-huh. I know because I've talked to some of you guys over the past few weeks that you went out and did your homework. People have come back to me and said, hey, you know, I, I tried to build a box and I tried this and it didn't work. You know, that's awesome. They didn't do what I was talking about. They did what something else because they were trying to build a much larger container mm-hmm. than what we had just talked about uh, for their particular needs. They made that assessment. They did the work on their own. And then we talked about it. And I hope that we can, the, the group of us can work something out where because that individual, you've got a lot of stuff you've got to protect and it's important equipment. Um, so yeah, it, that's awesome. Don't take our word for it. Take our information and turn that into intelligence. Uh, other source that I cannot preach enough about and it's you've got to read books. Now, don't get me wrong. I am a huge, huge nerd. I love my brain candy. I, I read Dungeon and Dragons novels that I've read since I was a kid. The uh, um, Dragonlance series. Man, every couple of years I have to read that series again. And that's for me to cleanse my palate. You know, I read so much garbage of stuff that's going on in the world. And sometimes I just need something happy, you know dragons and stuff <laughs> but uh you've got to read history you've got to read books um that are are being written right now i was so proud the day that one of my daughters came to me and said that she had finished kamala harris's book and i was kind of like why'd you read that and she looked me in the eye and she was like you have to know what the enemy's thinking she didn't write it. It was a ghostwriter, but at least I know what she's thinking. <laughs> Man, proud papa moment right there for sure, because that little girl recognized the value. People will tell you what they're thinking in these books. I, for, for me, um, I was around the age of 16 when I first started reading some books. Uh, read a couple by Cleon Skousen. I read... Uh, a book by uh, the Honorable Ezra Taft Benson. I'm um, all dealing with the Constitution, freedom, liberty, th- those principles. And I really, um, because of reading those, I, I really caught the vision and, and felt and, and learned for myself those correct principles that, that our nation was founded on. Um, but then, still at the age of 16, that's when I took a look at the Communist Manifesto, mm-hmm. and that was a real eye-opener as a 16-year-old reading, especially the, the Ten Planks uh, uh, of Communism, you know, to, to turn a capitalist or a democracy into a communist nation, uh, the, those Ten Planks of Communism, and I'm reading that, learning this is what the, the enemy is preaching, and recognizing, wow, almost all of those are in some fashion 
already in existence here in in our country. It's it's like you said, it's very important. And I learned that lesson when I was pretty young. You need to to read the adversary. You need to to read those that are opposed to you. To like you said, to know what they're doing, what mm-hmm. they're thinking, what their tactics are. That, that's a rules for radicals. Is another very good yep. book. In uh, in the eighteen fox horse, before I went to when I went to the eighteen fox horse, it was all about targeting. It was all about taking down networks. Before the global war on terrorism, what was taught was something called order of battle, ORBAT. And my generation, we were told, oh, ORBAT, that's, that's old school, that's Cold War, we don't, have to, we don't have to know that stuff. And okay, I, I've targeting, 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 take down networks, take down networks. A few years later, I get a, a mentor who is an older gentleman who does ORBAT, and he starts to show me the value of Orbat. And it was one of those aha moments. And I talk about this and um, I go into depth of Orbat in uh, Intel One. Um, the value. People, they like to talk about themselves. They like to tell what they want to do. Oh, yeah. And when you start to understand that, it helps with the predictive analysis. You then can say, hey, they've told me this is their goal. They've, they've given me their end state. I mean, you in uh, twenty thirty? Yeah, the agenda twenty thirty. I mean, it, it's right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I showed that that video, um, the uh, World Economic Forum video they put out in what two thousand seventeen. We showed that to the people last night. Uh, I know the majority of them had never seen that, mm-hmm. and for these people to blatantly come out and say by twenty thirty you'll own nothing and like it. <laughs> I like the, You'll they, rent everything, and it'll be delivered by a drone. Yes, yes. yes. Just ridiculous. Yeah. You're not going to eat as much meat anymore. Yeah. Only as a, was it to say, as not a snack, but only as a uh, um, a treat. Yeah. yeah. Only as a treat, not as you know, Yeah. Yeah, it's just insane. <sighs> They're very open about, these are our goals, this is what mm-hmm. we want to accomplish. Yeah, if you would just take the time to educate yourself and read. And it's out there. Um, I'm not telling you that you need to go read Mein Kampf, all right? The Cliff Note version, probably a good idea. Yeah, I mean, get get the knowledge, find it. Uh, <laughs> we talked about this last night after uh, the event. Uh, we went out to dinner. Uh, I brought up Arcan, uh, Arcan's Tigers. So uh, the Bosnia Serbia yeah, conflict. That, that was all. I mean, I familiar with the conflict, but you, but him, yeah, but him. So. I've always been fascinated by that. I have a, a personal, like when I realized that I wasn't alone in the world, when it wasn't just me trying to get money to go skateboarding in Salt Lake, was Bosnia. I, I, I talked about it in the AK podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always sought out information about that because it's, it's fascinating to me. Arkan was a scumbag. I mean, he is a criminal... But when it came time to defend his country, to defend Serbia, he was like, game on. Like, uh, I know I've been a criminal all my life, but now I'm going to be a patriot. And so it's it's hard because you you want to put everyone into boxes. Good guy, bad guy, white hat, black hat. That's not the real world. And there's a lot of things that we can learn from... 
from these individuals. Well, my, when you started talking about him last night, I immediately thought of Meyer Lansky. You familiar with him? No. Uh, Meyer Lansky, he was um, Jewish. He was a Jew. And he was a gangster, pro- prohibitionary gangster. And he was pretty much the mastermind um, of getting uh, Lucky Luciani to to better organize the Italian mafia. So he was in bed with all of those guys, doing all the bootlegging and gambling and, and all, all kinds of stuff. One of his best buddies was Bugsy Siegel, who mm-hmm. started you know, yep. Las Vegas and everything. So near the end of, uh, of World War II, now we have the, the formation of the Jewish state. So this, one of America's biggest gangsters, he's like, I'm Jewish. So um, allegedly, then he used his connections and his influence at the underworld to smuggle all kinds of arms and weapons to arm the brand new Jewish state so it could it defend itself. You know, same kind of thing. Yeah. What was really funny, though, is when he got in all kinds of trouble, um, he applied for citizenship to, to go to, to Israel. They're like, kind of like, well, well, thank you. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, but, <laughs> but, but no thanks. And they wouldn't allow him there. Um, but again, interesting, interesting cat. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it, so by expanding our knowledge, by mm-hmm. looking at these things and taking someone like Arkan, that he's not my hero. I mean, he said a few things that like there are some quotes that I just get a kick out of. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, I'm glad to be an enemy to the U.N. It means I'm a good Serb. <laughs> Uh, and I've always thought I, I'm going to steal that one at yeah, some point. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, glad to be an enemy of the UN. <laughs> means I'm means a good, I'm a good American. American. <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember reading that way back. I mean, this is probably like 2003. I read that, uh-huh. and I'm just like, kind of like that, kind of dig <laughs> that, you know. Um, by expanding our our knowledge base and looking not just okay. Absolutely. We need to study the Constitution. But what's the other guy thinking? Mm-hmm. And then having those lenses. Do I like watching CNN? No, it pisses me off. But I will go to CNN and read articles. Well, what I found recently um, with the Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, with that trial, is I would watch Fox, listen to Glenn Beck, listen to, um, it took the, the place of Rush Limbaugh, Buck Sexton, and I forget the other guy, um, listen to them. So I'm getting commentary and information on that f- from one side. And then I would listen to, to CNN, and they were also sharing facts, mm-hmm. but they were both of these different elements because they were, you know, like you'd mentioned, you got to know where they're coming from mm-hmm. and what their attack, what their angle is. So both sides, and I would say, I'll say sides there, were sharing correct information about the trial, but the information was different. They're being selective. Yes, very selective. So when he was acquitted, if all you listened to was CNN or if all you listened to was NPR, you were probably caught completely off guard. How could How this could guy... this trial yeah, misjust? Exactly. Yes. And it's simply that they just weren't... They weren't um, reporting on mm-hmm. all, all the facts. And one thing that I, I thought was interesting is um, CNN was reporting how the ringtone of uh, the judge, it went off and it was some patriotic thing and how that, that meant he was he was suspect now because now he was definitely on the side of, of Kyle Rittenhouse or he wouldn't have had that ringtone. Yeah. Uh, the, but, but nobody on the, on the other side reported on the ringtone. What, yeah. what, one of my favorites was the um, tissue paper boxes. Oh. They were American flags. <laughs> And that was an oh, indicator. That was an indicator of the the judge's 
um, inability to be uh, impartial yes. in this case. Yes. And I'm sitting there thinking, isn't there also an American flag like hanging in the courtroom right now? Like, yeah, aren't we still in America? You know, but 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 to your point. If you only listen to that one side, side. And, and even listen to that one side, if you don't realize, okay, this side or this um, organization is reporting, they have their own angle, they have their own spin that they want to want to sell, then you can get completely suckered in and then misled. And it's, there are people, this is one of the things that I've told my daughters. There are people in this world that it's a business to them. They don't care one way or another. They are a storyteller. They're making their money by doing this. Most of them are the comedians, you know, uh, that uh, they're using the, the, the outrage and the shock and, you know, all of that to inspire you to listen to them more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, what, what is the um, curly haired New York guy that. Uh, the shock jock, Howard Stern, Howard Stern, okay, Howard yeah. Stern, you know, <laughs> I think it's Sean Hannity. No, no, he, no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he's an entertainer. Absolutely. You know, and he's an entertainer first. We recognize that he's an entertainer. Do we recognize that, you know, any of these other people are entertainers? I don't know who the little short guy on Fox is because I don't really pay attention to their names very much. He, he's always making jokes and, and he's on the, their evening program Guy's an idiot. He's an entertainer. He's a comedian. But people will be like, oh, well, you know, this guy. I'm like, come on, man. Uh, you know, uh, he could easily be working for CNN or MSNBC. He's selling his his comedy at the expense of you thinking you're getting good quality information. And that's why you have to understand and have that lens. Yeah. And like I said, I can't stand to watch shoot, I can't watch Fox sometimes because they have comedians like him on. And I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, they got the wrestler guy that wears his stupid, you know, big fat wrestling belt. I'm like, can he be even any more blatant? I, I'm sure he, the guy's a great guy, but um, it's not I'm not going for entertainment. That's why I read so much mm-hmm. and I'll I'll bounce back and forth. You Great example at the Kyle Rittenhouse, that one story that good, we went for so long we went for two good weeks and you were able to sit there and, and look and see how each side presented that information yeah and then compare it contrast it and turn it into intelligence that then you can discuss and you can make plans off of yep yeah, yeah. there you go i'll talk about you know myself using this these same principles you're talking about so uh I felt pretty sure that he was going to be acquitted on all counts. And then I know there's a lot of people out there protesting and everything um, and and getting ready to potentially really, really riot. Uh, so once it was read, I know there's some people who contacted me. Hey, what do you think is going to happen? I hope it doesn't, you know, please get burned down. And my response to all of them, what I honestly thought, and unless something crazy happens, you know, now, a week or so out from it, uh, I just... Was telling people, I don't think anything big is going to happen. Nothing crazy is going to happen. There might be some people protesting a little bit. It might be a little bit here and there, but but nothing compared to to what it was last mm-hmm. last year. And they're all like, "Well, why? Well, why do you think that?" I said, "Because the outrage is fake, and because it's not fighting season. 
It's too cold outside. They're not going to be out there rioting night after night in the cold. Now, maybe if this was in the springtime or summer, okay, maybe some of that fake outrage will, would be going out there. And that's just their excuse to go get free things. Um, but, but no, it's too cold. And because of the cold, there's not going to be much. And there was a little bit, but there wasn't too much. And, and the areas that had m- more than, than others, they were more temperate areas. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, they were. Hey, folks. Never underestimate the importance of weather. I mean, in, in all your planning, it, it's not just, is this a good day to go to grandma's house or not? Okay. In all seriousness. Well, uh, you know, Iraq was one thing. Stuff was going around, you know, 365 uh, days of the year. But Afghanistan, no. Oh, <laughs> There's when, definitely a when, fighting season. When it's four degrees outside, <laughs> no, man, I'm good. I'll wait till March. I'm going to Pakistan for the The, the jihad can wait. Yeah. <laughs> So true. So true. Uh, I was in Albania and it's pouring down. rain. I mean, just ridiculous amounts of rain. And we're trying to get our Albanian counterparts to get out and do something Uh because we have a mission still. Right. And I was just training, but we still had to accomplish certain tasks. And I'm trying to like, I'm trying to do that, you know, brave heart, like get the troops motivated speech. And every now and again, I am, I'm gifted with some brilliance. And I, I said, remember men, it doesn't rain on special forces. It rains for special forces. <laughs> did, they, did they buy it? Oh, they bought it. <laughs> so, and you know, in truth, it was awesome because our adversary force that we were working against, that we were training against, they didn't want to leave the hotel. Uh-huh. They didn't want to do anything. But because it was raining, we had free movement. We were able to move all over the city because no one wanted to be out. No one stopped us. No one interfered with us. You know, when you're walking down the side of the street and it's pouring down rain and you're trying to do something uh, that normally you don't want people noticing, no one's looking up. Yeah. Everyone's got their umbrellas. Everyone's, you know, eyes down heading into the grocery store. Uh, so there was truth to it. And uh, that stuck with me. That stuck with me, you know, the rest of my <laughs> career glorious. is... Weather can be your friend. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I had a few few more things here in my notes, and I, I kind of touched on it um, with Arcan and how much I'm I'm always trying to find information, uh, and that's just Bosnia is a personal quest. I'm I'm always looking at stuff that way. Uh, I have discovered. Because I'm I'm stuck with English as my language. My Arabic isn't good enough to acquire reading material. You know, uh, a lot of the information I get is is Western skewed, and I understand that. I understand that I'm I'm getting that that perspective. Uh, I've watched some pretty good documentaries that were in. Um, um, I I don't know if it's Croatian or if it was Serbian. They, they were in a different language, but they were uh, subtitled. And, you know, watching, you know, their perspective, you know, how they viewed um, these situations, those documentaries, they told things a little different than uh-huh. the documentaries that I had watched that were, you know, written by someone from, say, you know, England. Um, understanding where your sources are coming from. I love documentaries, but... Uh, just because it's a documentary, it can be a hundred percent truth from my perspective. You have to understand that. Yes, I guess that's a theme for today is 
what is the perspective? <laughs> Which way are we looking at this problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Well, we've, we've talked a lot about um, the Intel class and the importance of, of taking your information and turning into uh, intelligence. You and I have been working on some austere environment stuff. Yes. Yeah, we've been working on some stuff under that uh, under that banner. Banner, yeah. I guess, guess that's the best way to put it, austere environment. So one of the main classes that we have, in fact, we have one coming up in a couple of weeks. 18th. 18th, yeah. Yeah, yeah 17th, 18th. Yeah, that's the wilderness skills class. So with that, that's... Winter. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. There's a W for that one. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, two days and a night. Extra stitching. And, and uh, teach all sorts of, you know, building a fire, building a shelter, a small animal uh, butchery. Uh, Food procurement. Yeah, you know, all sorts of, of Water stuff. Water procurement. And we've done that type class uh, multiple times, and we'll be doing it in the future. But in addition to that, coming up this, this spring, we're going to be doing one that's all going to be based around how to use uh, an axe. How to use a tomahawk or, or, or hatchet. So what it's going to be is with the tuition, you, once you sign up for the class, uh, you will also get a mossy forged handmade axe. So then the class is going to consist of now that you have this axe, what can you do with it? And so we'll go everything from how to fell a tree, how to clean a tree, uh, using it to, to build structures, how to use it to make kindling, uh, small animal butchery again, how to use it as a tool there, how to hunt with it, all kinds of, of stuff. So you'll be spending a full day of, of u- utilizing this axe. So not only will you get a good quality hand-forged axe for, from our buddy Martin, but then also you'll be going through the class as to you know how to use it and how to put it uh, into use. Which is so awesome. Yeah, I, I'm so excited about that. Yeah, I, I have been excited about it since we did the uh, Life Fighter, no, the uh, the podcast with Martin, where we talked about okay. the tomahawk as a hunting weapon, how it was the American boomerang. Yeah, I like multiple times I've been in the backyard and I have wild rabbits there in the backyard and I oh I thought you meant your chickens too. no 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 I not, not, not chickens um, <laughs> and I I've many times tried the stick method of of trying to hit a, a rabbit yeah. with a stick. And the idea of using a tomahawk, man, I tell you, I'm, I'm getting excited. Yeah. I really am. So that should be a, yeah, that's going to be a good time. And has the added benefit of you walking away with a good hand-forged tool. That, that'll be pretty cool. That you now know how to use. Yes. So we also have uh, another class that we've been working on under that same banner. We've been working on this for a long time. It, some of you probably recognize what we're about to talk about because we've mentioned some of these things. Uh-huh. Just like we say, we're not going to release a class until it's ready. And this is something we wanted to do last year, but it wasn't ready. Yeah. And we weren't just going to throw that product out there and not give you good quality. So March 5th and then again on April 22nd, we're going to be running an urban evasion seminar. And the idea in that seminar is to give you tools, techniques that you can utilize if you are find yourself in a situation that you've got to get out of the city. Mm-hmm. It's to give you the idea so that you can plan, so you can coordinate with the people around you to get where you need to be. We'll also be covering uh, land navigation in that in the urban up, environment. In that urban yes. environment, yeah. Uh, communication in yes. the urban environment. 
uh, all these things that, you know, the principles that we teach in small unit tactics in the woods, they apply in the urban environment. Yeah. So the techniques out of necessity are going to be a little different. Because, well, you know, it's, I, yes, I can walk around in a brushstroke in, um, <laughs> in downtown Harrisburg. Yeah, there's some areas I might be okay to be in, you know, but there's a lot of other areas that I'm going to stand out. And then on April 23rd, we're going to be doing a urban invasion workshop, meaning those seminars, that's classroom. We're going to teach you, going to give you information, great opportunity for you to uh, ask questions and stuff. But then on, on the 23rd, that's when it's going to have that, that practical exercise. You'll be put in the city and you'll need to evade and you'll need to uh, get to a rendezvous point. Yep. Do so, all sorts of stuff in there. Yeah. And we've set this up in a manner, and this is, we don't want to, uh, this is why it didn't happen last year. Uh, we have broken into the classroom, and then we've broken into the practical exercise. You do need to have the classroom before you know the practical exercise. Uh, it's not designed to just show up and, and do the activity, uh, because we're going to be asking you to do specific techniques that we teach in the classroom. And this is gonna, it, it's a multiple day thing, so we had to break it up this way so that more people could be involved. Yeah, and that's why we have the two different dates for the seminar so it can more easily work in your, your schedule. It's something that has so much value. We all travel, we all find ourselves in cities. We have to have a plan and this is something that has been brought up many times to you and I both. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so I work here, but I live here. What's your suggestion? Okay. I can give you this, but, you know, it's, it's a bitter, bigger, broader topic than that. Yeah. So we're, we want to teach these correct principles. We want to demonstrate some good techniques. We want you to have that experience. Then after that, then you can go, you can plan, and you can cater something specifically to your needs. And how it's going to work <clears throat> with you and your situation and your friends um man i'm i'm really excited <laughs> about this i i want to start like going into details you know um but there definitely a lot of value to this this kind of falls in line with uh some other of uh, classes that we teach you know the anti-abduction seminar mm -hmm. uh this class isn't just for you uh, it's for your loved ones. You know, you, you got that uh, child who's getting ready to go off to college. This class for, is for them as well. Yeah. Uh, you have that spouse that works in the city. Um, this class is for them. Come and learn these techniques because you never know what the situation may be. In our own lifetime, just think of weather events that have happened. Terrorist um, events. Terrorist attacks that have happened where you may not have been in the building that was struck, but you were nearby and the communication grid shut down. You still had to move. You still had to get to a safe place. You still had to communicate to your loved ones and let them know you're okay. And that's what we're going to be doing in this class. We're going to be going over those techniques and uh, building that out with you guys. You know, one thing that I don't think we talk about enough or mention enough is how mobile of a company that we are, how we like to travel, and we do travel often, and how we also run a lot of private classes. So if you're 
sitting in your office pretending like you're working, listening to this podcast or whatever. Good for you. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, wow, that's that's something that that my whole office or everyone I work with that could benefit from, that kind of information. But we're in Kansas City. Yeah. We ha- will happily travel to you. We have, and we do, we have some interesting clients that we, we travel to on a quite often a, you know, monthly or, or by you know, every other month basis. Um, so think about that. If that's something you're interested in or are pondering, go ahead and, and message us, call us, email us, and we'd be happy to set something up and bring this information and you know, to you to help you and to help your people, to help your family, help your church, help your business, and, everyone you know, just that, be that goes, organized. That goes with any of our seminars. Yeah. Uh, we, if there's a class that you guys are interested in, but you don't live here in Pennsylvania, um, we can come to you. Yeah. Uh, we can come to your organization and we've been hosted here in Pennsylvania. We've been hosted elsewhere yeah. uh, to pass this information on. That's at the end of the day. That's what really does it for me. That's what shoot right now. That's what gets me out of bed <laughs> is be all be able to pass things on. And I'm, I'm serious about that. I know you are, you know, it, it's, it can be a struggle sometimes, but you guys motivate me, uh, today doing this podcast. I told Jared earlier, I was like, man, I just, I don't know. I'm not having a good day. And what I say to you, and you're like, be good therapy. This is, this is exactly what you need. <laughs> and you know, I want to be like, no man, can we do it another day? No, he's right. Because you guys out there listening and then the interaction that we have later when I run into you at classes and you're like, hey, you guys said this. And, man, it's it's really helped me. It makes it so worth it. It it allows me to put my little small problems to the side and uh, remember that we are part of a community. We're here to make each other better. And you guys listening to this podcast, you're making me better today. Thank you. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. And uh, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you guys. And, again, I want, I'd like to th- throw a shout-out to, to John. He's the one who really makes us sound good. Appreciate you and, and all the, the work and everything you do for us. And you guys stay safe. I'll talk to you next time. That's really the intel. That's it. Quite frankly, I didn't even want to use you guys. With your dip and your Velcro and all your gear, I wanted to drop a bomb. 